0: in our Christian life or in our church life that we don't take the time to just bask in the realization of who it is we serve. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This ever-present help in time of need. We think about what the Lord is doing and, and, and theology and things that we should do and things that we shouldn't do. And the relationship, the closeness, that, that uh, nearness that we have with the Lord can slip away and we can forget about it in, the, in, in all that we have to do and all the things that we have to get done. But God is an ever-present help. He never leaves. Our Lord is a, is a personal God. If you would turn with me to the book of Revelation chapter 5. I want you to think, in this story that she was just talking about, the, the uh, Indians had taken a bunch of hostages, mostly young people, and had used them, kind of integrated them into their particular tribes to use, for the most part, as slaves. And this story was of a couple of young girls who were, who were captured uh, for 10 years. And that song would play back in their minds so often while they were in captivity. Um, And it gave them hope. And it gave them assurance. And there's so much that God gives us in our lives that we sometimes take for granted if we're not careful. Are you there, Revelation chapter 5? Yes. And it says, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written Within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And a strong angel proclaimed with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor on earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look therein. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and read the book, neither to look therein. Then one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book, and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns, and seven eyes, and which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth unto all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hath redeemed us to God by the blood out of every king, kindred and tongue and people and nation. And hast made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them with ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, "'Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, heard I saying, "'Behold and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever.'" And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Lord, we just exalt you today. Lord, we just give praise and worship and honor unto the name of Jesus Christ, our King. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done. But more so, Lord, thank you for who you are, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You truly are the Lion of Judah. And I praise you, Father. I ask God that you will use me and anoint me to give your people encouragement today. And I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I was thinking about how church has changed down through the years. Because um, I've, been, I've been going to church a long, long time. And so have some of you. And I think about how it used to be it was it was like people were passionately in love with Jesus sometimes today we get stuck into theology we get stuck into arguments or stuck into into what should or should not be going on in the church or in the world or whatever. And I think sometimes we lose track on what our ancestors had when they just woke up in the morning praising Jesus and they went through their day praising Jesus all day long. And you say, well, I do that. Well, I hope you do. I'm just saying that sometimes we get so bogged down that we forget to do that. Sometimes we lose sight on what it is to have that personal relationship with jesus christ that it's not about theology and theology is important and it's not about the gifts of the spirit but the gifts of the spirit are important it's not about prophecy but prophecy is important it is about the fact that the lamb of god is standing as at the right hand of the father proclaiming his authority and his and his rule he is the almighty god he's why we do this we think about some of the old songs that used to be sang. There were was, was so many songs that just passionately proclaimed Jesus and that near relationship that people had with Him. I think of one that said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. You remember that song? It said, Master, Savior, Jesus, like a fragrance after the rain. You know that, and people would sing that unto the Lord, just as if in a a personal one-on-one, because they were in a personal one-on-one. We have the benefit as Christians of having a God that is there in before us. The veil has been rent; we are we are able to have that personal one-on-one relationship. Now, Catholicism will tell you that Jesus is an angry God. And he wants to exact vengeance upon people because of his anger and that you have to have Mother Mary to calm him down, to soothe him over. I thank God that we don't serve a Jesus like that. Mormonism will tell you that there's just a whole bunch of them and Jesus is just one of many. Thank God that he is not one of many. He is the one and there is no other. It is just Jesus Christ. He is the one. I heard a preacher say one time and it always stuck with me. He said, if you're ever struggling with a sermon, just start talking about Jesus and everything will start coming out. Because there's something about that name he is the master, the savior. He is Jesus, the king of kings. When people have been in situations like we were just talking about where they're captured and being being held as hostage someplace, they would sing and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. You can envision Paul and, and Silas in the prison in the middle of the night just singing unto Jesus Christ our king. People dying on their laying in their deathbed, struggling for their last breath and in that breath they're proclaiming the name of Jesus. There is truly something about that name. He is the, the Almighty Lord that never leaves us. We need to remember that. Phillips was was dealing with all that was going on. He wasn't quite understanding it. He wasn't quite getting it. And he goes to Jesus and he says, We've seen you, but when are we going to see the Father? And Jesus, I'm paraphrasing obviously, Jesus said, If you have seen me... You have seen the Father. He is the express image of the Father, the Bible says. Basically, Jesus is God taking a selfie. That's what He is. He is the express image of Almighty God. He came as a man. Mankind sinned as flesh and blood. God chose to deal with the situation in flesh and blood. He, he chose to deal with a A carnal fleshly problem in a fleshly way by. Sending His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to walk on the earth and to live just like we live, dealing with the same thing that we deal with, the same temptations, the same trials, the same hurts. He got hungry. He got tired. He hurt Himself. He had good days. He had bad days. He lived it just like we live it. And He did it sinlessly so that He could redeem us from the pits and fires of hell and give us an eternal home in glory forever and ever. That's what Jesus did. And Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. You are looking at the face of Almighty God when you look into Him. The old time saints they sang about it, they proclaimed it, they understood that. I want us to remember that. The birth of Jesus Christ changed the world forever and ever. When Jesus was born, the world was shaken in a sin. Well, physically, it was shaken. It was shaken, the veil was rent, it was tore down, and the world has never, ever been the same. There has never been a person that has walked this earth, that has had the impact in the world that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has had. Can you imagine America without the founding principles of Christianity? Today we have atheists and agnostics and mad people and, and, and horrible people all proclaiming the horrors of Christianity and all that it has done and all of the crimes and et cetera and et cetera. But I'm telling you right now, take Jesus out of America and what do you have? You have China or you have Russia or you have one of these other oppressive nations where, where people are enslaved and beaten and killed and tortured. That's what you have if you take Jesus out of America. It was the Christian principles that brought us to where we are. That gave us our greatness. It is the Christian principles that 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 gave America such blessing and strength worldwide. We have seen that from the very beginning as Christianity spread across the world and changed the way the world viewed cannibalism and uh, You know, murdering our children if you didn't want them. Mistreatment of women. You can go down the line of things that were changed because Christianity had an influence in our world. America without Christianity is just another evil despotic nation. But thank God for the Christian principles that were applied in the United States. That were written right into our Constitution. That were put right right into our Federalist Papers. Everything right in our founding documents. Talk about the Lord God and the principles that He espoused. Say, well, not everybody of the founding fathers was a Christian. That's true. But every single one of them understood the value of Christian principles. We in America typically give, give uh, honor and respect to one another because we understand as a Christian people that that's the right thing to do. not so much in the Middle East. There isn't that that uh, morality that, that drives a person in many places in the world that lack the principles of Christianity. Imagine the United States without, Christianity, friend and I were talking yesterday, can you imagine the world without America? Can you imagine, i mentioned this before, America is the one absolutely imperative nation in the world. The world needed America. We've heard people say, well, we don't want to be the world's policeman anymore. I say, thank God America was the world's policeman. Because if it wasn't for the influence of America, and America being driven by Christian principles, the world would be a much, much different place. Can you imagine if there wasn't that restraining force, even going so far back as, as the Nazi Germany and what was raise, raising up there. And then you go into Korea and what was going on in Vietnam and, and the Middle East and all the places that America has reached her hand down and put their hand the hand on and said, no, you're not going to do that. It doesn't mean that horrible things haven't happened in the world, but America has been the force for good that said uh, you're only going to go so far and then we're going to step in and put an end to it. And why do we put an end to it? Because we have Christian values that say that people need to be treated properly around the world and we believe it strongly enough that we will send our military there to make it happen if that's what's necessary. I thank God that America has been the world policeman. We need that policeman. Be- even, even these people that are so angry, these atheists that reject God, these agnostics that claim that they don't know one way or the other or don't care, they live the benefits of a Christian America every single day. You say, well, America is not a Christian nation. No, it really isn't. But it is a nation founded on Christian principles. We're not a Christian nation. There's a lot of evil in this land. There's a lot of ungodliness in this land. But our nation was founded on those principles, and those principles still still flow through our bloodstream in this country. And thank God it does. Catholicism gives you a a God that's not desirable, no desire to follow such a God. Mormonism gives you a God that, I have no desire to follow such a God. The way that they twist so many different religions, twist who Jesus is into something I don't want to follow, But I thank God that we have the Jesus Christ that we have. This this Jesus that has a personal, one-on-one relationship. The Bible tells us in Revelation that He is the morning star. You know what that should mean to us? It means when our eyes pop open in the morning, there should be a morning star in our life. I'm not talking about one up in the sky. I'm talking one in our heart. That one, that that glory of God that, that, that gives light unto our day, that morning star, that bright light that makes our day worth getting up for. That gives us hope in our day that no matter what happens, we have a guiding light. That is Jesus Christ, our Lord. That is our Savior. The Bible tells us that He sticks closer than a brother. He is a God that sticks closer than a brother. He is a personal God. He is not just pages in a book. He is flesh and blood God that walks and talks among us. He was down here on earth. say, well, I've never seen Him with my eyes, but you have seen Him with your spirit if you are born again. You have seen Him. He has walked with you in a very personal way. He has spoken to you in a very personal way. And I think about and Deb, she did. She got that song in my head, and it's played 24 hours a day for weeks now. I, uh, I can't get it out. It's such a beautiful song. And, and I remember John, Johnny Erickson taught. Anybody remember her? And I remember when I was going to a Christian school back in the 70s, and she had, uh, had that accident. I believe it was 1969, 68, right in that range. I want you to put yourself in this position for a second. You're 17 again. That's a long time back for some of us. but You're 17 years old. You're athletic. You like to play sports. You you are strong. And you dive into some water in Chesapeake Bay and you shatter the fourth whatever vertebrae. And you're laying in a hospital and a doctor walks in and speaks to you as a 17-year-old and says you will never use your hands or your legs again. Can you imagine that? And she said that she went into such despair, such absolute despair and 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 depression that she couldn't she wanted to die but she had no way to kill herself. She couldn't do anything and she was just she was hopeless. And then she said that a friend came into her Room and spoke to her and and said, Johnny, sometimes God uses what he hates in order to bring to pass what he loves. That was quite a statement, especially when you're dealing with somebody in that position. But she said that started a, a fire within her as she started to think about what that meant and the depth of that. Sometimes God uses what he hates in order to bring about what he loves. And I was listening to her testimony on a video just recently and she said, I would not trade this relationship with Jesus uh, and the intimacy with God. The sweetness, the nearness, the preciousness, the tenderness of faith that comes alive in my life. I wouldn't trade it today for any amount of walking. Wow. In the midst of such horror... I, I try to wrap my head around that. Could you imagine? You can't even lift a fork to eat. You can't wash yourself. You can't get in and out of bed. You can't, literally you can do absolutely nothing. She can lift her arms. Is pretty much all she can do. Her hands are nothing but withered stubs that mean nothing. They're just there. She can't stand. She can't tend to anything of her own. And yet she says, I would not trade This intimacy that I have with Jesus Christ, this closeness, this tenderness, this sweetness for all the ability to walk every day of my life. I would not trade it. Folks, I want that relationship with Jesus Christ. I want that nearness to Him. I want to experience Him in that way. God has used Johnny Erickson Tata in so many ways down through the years because of this. When we talk about a relationship, and, and, I, and I wrote down some thoughts about it, and this is what I came to. It's a, a relationship with Jesus transcends what you have, how you feel, where you are, the trials you are facing, the disease that you are carrying, or the enemy that you are facing. It goes beyond the circumstances or fear. Loneliness and anguish vanish. Fear becomes courage. Weakness morphs into strength. Hate melts into love. Despair makes way for hope. At the name of Jesus, devils tremble, Satan flees, and defeat is saddled by victory. That's what Jesus does to our life. He takes what is destroyed and He builds it into something of value. He takes what is torn down and He rebuilds it. The Bible tells us that He said, God has anointed me to preach good tidies to the meek, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to the opening of prison to them that are bound. God, in Jesus Christ, does those things for us. As we end up as a captive, as a hostage somewhere, Jesus is there. When we're laying in a hospital bed and we're not able to move because of paralysis, Jesus is there. When we are facing a doctor that says you have weeks or months or whatever to live, Jesus is there. When we face the biggest loss of our life and, and somebody dear to us is taken away, Jesus is there. That's what He does. He is the master in the midst of the storm when that storm is shaking our boat and it's being tossed about and we think we're going to go down and we cry out and we say, Master, Master! And He sa- stands up and He says, Peace be still. Does the storm go away? Not necessarily, but He brings that peace into our heart where we realize that we are not in control of this thing, but He is. He is bigger than that storm. There are many testimonies that you can see and, and read and hear of people who have, who have faced situations such as robberies. Uh, I, I read one not too long ago where an older lady, I believe she was in her late 70s early 80s and a young man jumped into her car and held a gun to her head and wanted all of her money she didn't know what was going to happen she just started saying repeating the name of jesus oh jesus oh jesus oh jesus and that young man sat there for a minute and then got out and ran that's what the name of jesus does there is power in the name of jesus there is power in this. It's just not a name. And, and it drives me crazy today because you know me, I, I, I get bothered by things that I think trivialize stuff. I, get, I have friends who are into this thing where you have to say it Yeshua. You can't say Jesus. And it has to be Yeshua Yamashakina or whatever they say. I don't know what they say. I try not to know, I, it, it irritates me. You know what? It doesn't matter if you're Chinese. It doesn't matter if you're English, it doesn't matter if if you're Middle Eastern, it doesn't matter what language you're speaking, God knows when you proclaim His name. If you pronounce it Yeshua, if you pronounce it Jesus, if you pronounce it Jesus, it doesn't matter. He is the same Jesus and He is in charge of those nations just like He is here. I don't find any place in Scripture that says, you must pronounce it this way. <laughs> different languages have different pronunciations. We say Munich, Germany, they say München. Yeah. I'm okay with that. For sure God is too. <laughs> <laughs> Gold City used to sing a song. that's called Cool Drink of Water. It says, he'll be your cool drink of water in the desert. When you're hungry, He'll bring manna from the sky. He'll be your strength when you're weary from the battle. For your need, He will bring in great supply. So many times in my hour of desperation, I've turned to Jesus and He's heard my earnest plea. That's, that, that's a song about Jesus. It's about the Savior that we serve and we worship, the Almighty God that we love. The Bible calls Him the lily of the valley. If your life has beauty in it, it's because Jesus is the lily of the valley, and He brings beauty. We live in a beautiful part of the country. You wouldn't know it right now because you can't see it, but we do. We remember it. It's in our memory that we live in a beautiful part of the nation. But that beauty came because God spoke it into existence. The Bible tells us that everything that was made was made by Jesus Christ. Jesus made it. He created it. Everything that was made was made by Him. When He put the lilies in the valley, when He put those beautiful majestic elk up on the mountains, when He made this gorgeous river for us, it doesn't matter what it is, that beauty came because of Jesus Christ. He is that lily of the valley. There's an old song that says, there's within my heart a melody, Jesus whispers sweet and low, fear not I am with thee, peace be still, in all of life's ebb and flow. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Anybody remember that song? I love that. Just singing praises unto the Lord God. The Bible tells us that He is Emmanuel. What does that mean? That means God with us. Not just in a book. Not just in a a myth. Not just in a story. But God in us. With us. In a personal relationship where we walk and talk. He walks and talks with us. He is the God that is with us every step of the way. I want us to realize the personal side of this thing. We sometimes, like I say, we get caught up in what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to act, what's supposed to be done. The Bible uh, teaches this, teaches that. We argue theology. And all that stuff is important. But it's not important if we forget that the meaning of the whole thing is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That's why the devil tries so hard to get Jesus out of the picture. He wants Jesus out of the picture. Jesus isn't going to get out of the picture. He is not going to get out of the picture. He's calmed the storm for His disciples. He'll calm the storm for you. He healed the sick. As He he walked down the streets, He will heal your sickness. He is the God that is above all things. There is nothing that we can't take to Him. And He brings the light (laughs) just at the right time. Praise God. He is the light. The Scripture tells us He is the light. That when we think about Jesus Christ, it should go beyond a... I don't know. It shouldn't be like thinking about Zeus or, or some other god. It should be a personal relationship with jesus christ would you stand with me i thank you lord that you are a friend that sticks closer than a brother you never leave us you never forsake us i thank you lord that we can hear you and you speak to us and you walk with us i thank you lord for who you are and for what you have done i praise you jesus that there is nothing that we face alone that you are the lord god we are alone but never alone I thank you, God, that you give us hope in the the worst times of our life, the worst moments of of our life, God, you give us hope. And I praise you. Hallelujah. You're the Lord that is worthy, the Almighty God. Hallelujah. God with us, that lily of the valley, the Lion of Judah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. We give you glory today, for you are so worthy of it. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah.